With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Today on Stick to Football, no Matt, just me and Mello, and we have a lot to recap. It's been a crazy Monday here, Mello. When you look at this, a lot of coaches obviously fired. Some are staying. We got to recap the college football playoff. There's going to be interviews going on in the NFL these next couple weeks. And of course, it's our favorite day of the week, one of our favorite days of the month. It is Mock Draft Monday, so a full round one mock draft coming your way. But Mello, What's going on, man? Not a whole lot for me, man. I'm glad that we finally get into this spot of the season where the season ends and a lot of people are like, ah, there's no no football going on. It's like when our job ramps up covering the draft, uh, covering all these openings that are going on. But I guess first we should cover a little bit of news and notes. On January 4th, Matt and I, uh, we decided to buy Kansas City Chiefs tickets. We wanted to go see the playoffs. We were going to have a meetup there. Then the Chiefs decided to win, and the Dolphins helped us out, so the Chiefs have a bye week. But we are still going to do a Kansas City meetup, and it's going to be official now at Char Bar at 1 p.m. So any of our Kansas City fans, or if you're close in the area, we are going to have a meetup up there. Just grab some drinks, probably grab some food, hang out. And also, we have the Senior Bowl coming up January 20th and 22nd. We will be at Draft Picks. As always, I'm glad that we're finally getting into like a routine. You guys know where we're going to be. We'll be doing our, our meetups there at Draft Picks. Some of the most epic meetups that we've had. I know it's not the tailgate tour. It's not LSU. But I'll tell you, those meetups at Draft Picks, we record the podcast. Then we hang out. We have some beers. Uh, last year, Matt even bartended for what seemed like an hour long. And then in February, we're not done yet. We're going to have a meetup at the Super Bowl. That's in Miami, Florida, if you've heard of it. That'll be at 1 p.m., and I'm sure that will also be a great time. Yeah, it's going to be great. Obviously, that's a loaded schedule. So if you're in the Kansas City area, go out, find the guys, meet the guys, hang out, have a good time. And it is nice. This is year three for us at Draft Picks in the Senior Bowl. So we're going to have a lot of familiar faces there. If you're a new face, hop right in. We have a ton of fun. And, of course, the Super Bowl is going to be its own beast at this point. But let's get right into today. It is known as Black Monday. This is always a a bittersweet day in the NFL because you hate to see people lose their jobs. But at the same time, for a lot of fans, this is a a new turning the page of potential hope going forward. And one franchise that looks like they should have a lot more hope than I think I ever expected. The Washington Redskins are expected to hire Ron Rivera. It it seems like he's the clear-cut candidate. He's the guy. This surprised me. Because I thought Rivera would be very, you know, patient in this process where he'd probably speak to a couple teams. The, you know, the Redskins, now that they got Bruce Allen out the door, maybe that opens things up where people are more willing to go there. I don't, this wasn't the most desirable job because of the ownership situation, but getting Bruce Allen out as president was a big step for them. I think if you're a Washington fan, getting Ron Rivera in there would be a colossal win. This would bring leadership to your organization 
This would bring somebody that can help with personnel, but more importantly, he can bring in a full staff for a very young team on both sides of the ball. And I think if you're looking to reset the franchise heading into a new decade, this is almost the best possible scenario for the Washington Redskins. Yeah, I agree with you. I really figured Rivera would be a little bit more patient. I I think that he's going to be the top candidate this go-around when we see all the openings because he has proven himself. He's made it to the Super Bowl before. I really thought that the Browns probably should have gone after him, but it sounds like the Redskins are going to swoop in and get him before anybody else could. And that's what happens when you fire your coach before the season's over. You can start your coaching search. You can go through maybe some of the college guys that you want to look at. You can look at who's probably going to be fired in the NFL. And when Ron Rivera was let go, I think the Redskins probably pounced on that opportunity. I love what he can bring to a locker room. I think the message in in Carolina probably just got a little bit stale and you have ownership there that wants to bring in their own guy and do their own thing. I love this hire of Ron Rivera. I, I really respect him as a coach. And I think if somebody can turn around this Redskins team, Ron Rivera is a great candidate to do so. And another thing he has to be looking at after the results of the final weekend of the regular season, this is a football team that's going to have a chance if they want, and they will, to draft Chase Young. And you're going to be looking at potentially one of the best young front fours, at least in football. I, I think Montez Sweat, you know, turned it on at times this year. I think he was a raw product as it is where he's only going to get better. Having him and Chase Young, for Rivera to have that core on defense, the Josh Norman money will finally be up pretty soon. And to have, you know, we saw some flashes from Dwayne Haskins at the end of the year before he got hurt. But more importantly, Terry McLaren there. Uh, There's a lot to work with now with this team as they head into the draft with the second overall pick. Yeah, and maybe you can get a guy like Darius Geis back healthy, a uh, running back that you and I both really liked. Uh, I don't know what his status is there, but this defense, you're right, it's going to be nasty. You have Deron Payton, who is a first-round pick. You have Jonathan Allen there, who are already on the the roster. Pair them with Montez Sweat. Bring in Chase Young. That's one of the best young front fours in all of football. I mean, I think it's right up there with the 49ers with what they have. And I think Chase Young could come in and be that difference maker like we saw with Nick Bosa this year. All right, moving along here, a, a job that has been open due to Rivera being relieved of his of his coaching tenure there. Carolina, new owner. This is a very desirable job around the league. A lot of people you know, want to go work under David Tepper. He, he has a lot of money to spend. He's a smart guy. He'll really, really value analytics. This job is going to be very interesting. If you've noticed a trend here, Mello, they got the old guy out of the way early, speaking to Mike McCarthy before the season even really ended there. And now they have plans to interview Matt Rule from Baylor, and they've requested permission to interview Josh McDaniels from the Patriots. So when you look at this job right here, Tepper is leaving no stone unturned. What are your thoughts on this job, and and who do you think is the right person to go in there and get things going for the Panthers again? Uh, I I like the the move from Rivera. I think that you needed something new in there. I'm surprised that we're not seeing somebody like Greg Roman uh, get an interview here with the Carolina Panthers. I guess that signifies that they are done with Cam Newton because if you could pair him with Greg Roman, Ooh, man, I mean great. that he's the most mobile quarterback that we've seen. I mean the dominance with the running with Cam Newton, I would want to pair him with him, but I guess that means we're probably going to see somebody new come in. Mike McCarthy, I think he can tutor a young quarterback, help him along in an offense that's going to be new. I don't know if it's Kyle Allen, and I'm pretty damn sure it's not Will Greer. 
I think the Carolina Panthers are a sneaky team that's going to be in the draft talk of getting one of these quarterbacks. With where they draft right now, uh, they're number seven overall. I mean, that's a great position to be in if you need a quarterback. You could probably get the third guy off the board. It's hard to say without knowing who their head coach is. I think that um, the Minnesota Vikings have a very good offensive coordinator there uh, who they could bring in as Stefanowski. I, I don't know if he's going to get a lot of job openings, but Greg Roman, Josh McDaniels, you're looking at somebody that's going to bring this offense along. Somebody that can help bring a quarterback along. That seems to be the target. That seems to be the trend in Carolina. And one more name that's on this list for Carolina, another year of interviewing for him is from your favorite team with Eric Bieniemy on the Chiefs that's for right. Carolina. So You know, with Andy Reid, guys, I think that I'm starting to get nervous about pulling his offensive coordinators because I'm curious, as a Chiefs fan, how much are they actually doing? We know the Big Red's calling all the plays. So if you see it and you're like, oh, gosh, that was a great play call. Well, that's coming from the head coach. You're not getting that aspect of bringing in an offensive coordinator from the Kansas City Chiefs. You look at Matt Nagy, who was supposed to be the next great offensive mind. The offense has really struggled in Chicago, and he hasn't got things going. So it would be enemy. Now, a little bit of me wants him to stay around. But also, if I'm one of the other 31 fan bases, I'm saying, how much is this guy actually doing? I know he was a great running backs coach, but... What do the running backs do in Kansas City? Is he ready to be a head coach? So I think I would go with a more seasoned guy before I try to steal somebody from Andy Reid. I'm with you there. I think the best guy for this job with Carolina is Matt Rule. I think they should do everything they can to get Matt Rule. Now, we're going to get into the New York Giants a little later, but Matt Rule is going to have a lot of interest around the league, and he's going to create a very big market. But David Tepper, I think he's looking to make a splash, and I think Rule should be the favorite there. Moving on to the Cleveland Browns, this one came down to the wire. Freddie Kitchens officially let go. Now, there is a lot around this job. The most noteworthy thing, somebody we were just discussing, Matt Rule is not interested in this job, which is very interesting because he's had his hands on a lot of different things. He's probably going to interview, obviously, with the Panthers, the Giants, it seems like, and we'll see what happens with the Cowboys situation, but he's not interested in the Cleveland Browns. Now, the Browns have requested permission with Josh McDaniels, so that's another door that they're banging down. They're going to have a very long list of candidates, I believe. And Greg Roman Mello will get an interview with the Browns, or at least the request is in. Do you see a match here you know, with somebody like Roman and Baker Mayfield? I just don't know if that's what Greg Roman is going to want. I think that he has a very specific offense that he's going to want a young, mobile quarterback. And that's not Baker Mayfield. I think maybe a team like the Panthers could go with Roman, and then they bring in a young, mobile quarterback or somebody that can do it a little better. I don't know how many people are going to be interested in this Browns job. I think that Baker Mayfield has really rubbed a lot of people the wrong way with what he's doing. Even yesterday, you see him in the tunnel yelling at fans, telling them to come down there and talking shit to the fan base. So, I mean, it's just not working. And even I tweeted out last night, like, how how are Browns fans feeling with this guy? A lot of people still believe that he could be the franchise quarterback, that he can lead them, which obviously he's a Heisman Trophy winner. He was a first pick overall. There's a lot of potential there. But I think a lot of people are getting sick of his shit talk. And I think a lot of coaches are going to look at this job and say, that locker room is a mess. And that screams Josh McDaniels to me. I think that he is a guy, much like the Lane Kiffin of college football, I think Josh McDaniels is another guy that could come in and say, you know what, I like the the personnel group that we have here. I love the two receivers. You have one of the best young running backs in the league. 
I can fix Baker Mayfield. I can turn this into the Patriots where, you know, we don't talk about things in the media. We don't talk to the fans. We keep everything in-house. I think Josh McDaniels is a splash hire in Cleveland that I feel like they kind of want there. And I think that he can probably come in and do a good job with Baker Mayfield. I, yeah, I think the dark horse for this job is somebody that was a finalist last year, and that's Vikings offensive coordinator Kevin Stefanski yeah. that you brought up earlier. I think, you know, everybody knows the story that Baker Mayfield went to management and said, listen, Freddie's my guy. That's that's who you got to hire. So Freddie got that job for a couple of different reasons, but Stefanski was right in it until the end. So the Browns. You know, they're going to try to talk to McDaniels, they're going to try to talk to Roman, but they're going to interview Stefanski again, and they already know what they have there. So the fact that they're bringing him in again is a really, really big sign for him. And you look at how well Minnesota did this year without a great offensive line. They had two great receivers, young tight end, a good tight end, sorry, a good young running back, and a questionable quarterback. That's exactly what Cleveland has. Like, bring in a guy that can help you uh, fix this offensive line. Draft an offensive lineman high. Or even if you don't, you can find ways to scheme around some very poor offensive line play. I I think you're right, Connor. That would be a great hire for the Browns. Okay, now to the team that is kind of treading water at the moment after definitely one of the more disappointing seasons they've had in a while with how talented the roster is. The Dallas Cowboys. Now... We've heard the rumors for, it feels like months at this point, maybe six weeks, about Urban Meyer, about Lincoln Riley. Matt Rule's name has been thrown into the mix there as well. Right now, we have nothing on this job because Jason Garrett's contract does not expire till January 14th. Now, it is going around that he'll be meeting with the team in the next 24 hours, probably while you're listening to this show. And hopefully the Cowboys just do the right thing. If they're going to move on from him, do it right now and get your interview search going, get your interview process going. And Jason Garrett, I think he'll get at least an interview somewhere else, Mello. But with this job, what I mean, it's hard to even say. We don't know what direction the Cowboys are going to go. And I want to say Lincoln Riley. But, I'm leaning that right? way as well because it just seems too perfect. And obviously, I've said it before, I want it to happen. But I also saw on Twitter this morning, they might just let it ride until like January 14th because that's when Jason crazy. Garrett's contract expires like you can't just let the guy ride out like that you have to get a head coach in place you can't wait Um, maybe you have some kind of backdoor agreement with you know the urban Myers of the world or the Lincoln Riley's but I think that the Cowboys will want that splash hire they're going to want that great offensive mind Lincoln Riley to come in and work with their young town I don't think Dak Prescott's going anywhere they'll franchise him until he's retired if they have to but they'll get a contract done there the receivers look good Zeke Elliott that offensive line if they can stay healthy this is potentially one of the best offenses in the NFL that's why I think Lincoln Riley just makes too much sense I'm not buying into this Urban Meyer hype. I really think that he's driving up that price tag to stay in the media booth and keep talking about football. I actually think that he likes it and he seems passionate about it. I don't think that he wants to come back into coaching. You look at Urban Meyer and what he did best at Ohio State in Florida. He's a great recruiter. You don't recruit in the NFL. You're not going to have these mobile quarterbacks like a JT Barrett or Braxton Miller for the Dallas Cowboys. Dak is mobile, but that's not going to play very well like it did at Ohio State. So I don't think that he's really an NFL guy. If he's going to come back, I think that USC job would have been the opening for Urban Meyer, which is why I'm saying at the end of the day, if I'm betting on it, I don't want to talk about another man's job yet. It could be Jason Garrett. But I think Lincoln Riley is going to be the coach of the Dallas Cowboys in 2020. I'm with you. I I think this is the time 
for Lincoln Riley to go? At what point do you look around and go, you know what? Maybe I've topped out. I've gotten a couple of Heisman winners, a couple number one overall picks. I know I can recruit top quarterbacks, whether it's in recruiting process or the transfer portal, every single year. I know I could score a million points in the Big 12 and probably lose, you know, zero to two games every year in the Big 12 for the rest of my life. Maybe a down year because of injuries here and there. But this does not look like a team that has any business being in the college football playoff anymore. And I'm sorry, OU fans. It's not, I'm not shitting on Oklahoma, but at some point, it's hard to keep up with the big dogs like LSU, like Alabama, like Clemson, like Ohio State. Maybe you can get there. But right now, he hasn't been able to do that. And Lincoln Riley's done an incredible job. His value, Melo, will never be higher than it is right now. Oh, it won't. I, I agree. Because he's one bad season away from being, eh, I don't know about this exactly. guy. Exactly. Uh, I mean, he did it with three really good quarterbacks. But then you get a guy like Spencer Radler in there, who I think is going to be good. But what if he's not? And then Rink- Lincoln Riley, the hype kind of wears off and everybody starts to think, Maybe he was just doing it with Bob Stoops' players. Uh, I'm not saying that that will happen. Uh, I think Lincoln Riley is a great coach, but I think you got to strike while the iron is hot, and that means right now with the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, he's 36 years old, really young guy, really at a peak here, and I do think if there's a job he'll listen to, I think it's the Dallas Cowboys, and if they open up the checkbook with the right security, I could see that one getting done. The New York Giants, no surprise, Pat Shermer, gone. Little bit of a surprise, Dave Gettleman, our favorite GM of the show, not gone. But this is a little scary because I don't like doing the one foot in, the one foot out kind of thing. I like when you clean house, you clean house. When you keep a regime and give them one more shot, you keep them. I don't know. There has been talks that Dave Gettleman being there will deter some candidates. Now, what I will say is Matt Rule is a Northeast guy. He's from New York. He's worked for the Giants before. He almost took the Jets' job last year. They didn't grant him the structure that he desired. This would be probably a dream job for Matt Rule. But the biggest question is, will he want to go work with Dave Gettleman, or will another team sway him? And I think it's 50-50. I really do. I could see him taking this Giants' job. I could also see a couple other teams being like, hey, you're the man here. You're going to be the man here, especially Carolina, where they're going to slowly turn things over there on the personnel side in the next couple of years. The Giants, they're going to do a lot of interviewing. I think if I was the Giants, I'd go all in on Matt Rule. But I think they're going to keep this door open with a couple different candidates. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head here. I think Matt Rule seems like the perfect fit, being the New York guy, working with them before, being a hot name out of Baylor. But you kept Gettleman. And Matt Rule is known for wanting a little bit of roster control, a little bit of say. I don't think Dave Gettleman is the kind of GM that's going to let his coach do that. He's going to come in. He's going to build a very specific team, which we can probably go ahead and say the New York Giants are going to take an offensive or defensive lineman, number four overall. That's what he does. That's how he builds teams. I don't know if Matt Rule is going to want to do that. I don't also don't know if he says, let me go back to Baylor for another year, much like we were just saying with Lincoln Riley. Like, is this a guy that can afford to go have another bad year at Baylor? Because they could have a good team or they could be Baylor. So it's tough to say. If I'm the Giants, though, I agree with you. I'm going all in on Matt Rule. I'm flying him up to New York as soon as I can. I'm talking with him. I'm figuring out what does he want? What do we need to give him? I'm starting those negotiations before a team like the Panthers can come in and steal him away. 
So the Giants' official interview request sheet, as it stands right now, is once again Eric Bieniemy from the Chiefs, Josh McDaniels from the Patriots, which is very, very interesting to me with them, Matt Rule from Baylor, and I think that will that'll be the full list right now. But more names will keep coming. Jason Garrett is going to be interesting there. He he really, really is. We know they've had interest in him in the past. And now we'll just wrap this up with the three jobs were a little surprised they kept the coach or or we at least have to discuss was it the right move. We're going to start with my New York Jets. You know how I feel about this. This is an awful move keeping Adam Gase. People are going to shove seven and nine in your face that feel like this was the right move. Just look at the numbers. The quarterback really didn't improve. The offense as a whole got significantly worse. The personnel decisions this offseason are not going to appease Jets fans. I'll say that right now unless Joe Douglas does the right thing and completely takes control over his his erratic head coach. And they played an awful schedule. Thank God they had Greg Williams or they would have won three or four games. I I agree. This is a bad move. It's a bad move. I think this is one of the worst moves out of the whole coaching circuit that we've seen here. I think you have to replace him. I think this guy is the modern-day Jeff Fisher. He's going to keep you uh, just good enough to draft in the middle of the pack, not good enough to really get you to the playoffs. I, I don't like the the hiring here. I, I didn't from the start. I really don't like the fact that they kept him. You look at Sam Darnold in this organization, they've been waiting for a quarterback for a very long time. Uh, they thought they probably had it with Mark Sanchez. That didn't work out for you guys. I think you have to bring in a coach that can help him. And I know Sam Darnold will stand on the podium and say, I I love what he's doing. Adam Gase is the best coach I've ever had. That's just what you say if you're a young quarterback. I, I don't honestly think that he believes that. I don't think the locker room believes it. And you're right. Without Greg Williams, you're probably looking at a 4-12 and team here. Uh, we saw flashes with Sam Darnold, but you need a coach that can bring him up and, and surround him with good talent. They had Le'Veon Bell, one of the best running backs in the National Football League, and he couldn't get things going. So you have to bring this offense up. I know they need a lot of offensive line help, but I just don't believe, I don't think the fan base, I don't think the locker room believes, Adam Gase is the guy that's going to lead the New York Jets. No, definitely not. And just to wrap up the Jets talk, three things I've heard that could happen with them this offseason that are very Adam Gase influence is that they are going to look to trade Le'Veon Bell if a team will, uh, will be willing to take him, probably for a mid to late round pick, fourth, fifth round kind of pick where they'll have to eat some money. They're probably going to let Robbie Anderson hit free agency unless he takes a pretty, you know, low flyer, low risk kind of deal from them, which he should not. He should get to the open market and get his $13 million per year. And the last one that we've talked about a lot on the show and we will continue, I don't think a Jamal Adams trade is completely off the table right now, which should very much scare you if you're a Jets fan. But uh, moving on to the Jacksonville Jaguars, I this job's hang, this might be different by the time you hear the show. But right now, Doug Marone is still there. <laughs> he is officially the coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars. A lot of rumors coming out saying that he was going to be fired. But so far this morning when we're talking to each other, he's still there. Um, I don't know how I feel about this job. I, I like Doug Marone. I feel like this team was very good last year. Now, with the quarterback situation that you have there, are you going to go with the rookie moving forward? Are you going to keep Nick Foles? Uh I would give him another year. And I think that's what the Jaguars are doing here. They're, they're letting this kind of ride out. I would give him another year and see how things go. Yeah, If he can get them back to maybe a playoff contending team, 
keep him around. If not, then maybe it's time to part ways. But if I'm the Jaguars, I'm keeping Doug Marone for one more season. Yeah, you might as well. This team is going to be fascinating this offseason. I know a lot of Jags fans have asked us to do a fixing segment on them. We will once all this this smoke from the coaching situation clears. The last one that I know you and I both really like, we got to talk to Matt Ryan a couple weeks ago. It seems like this was something that he he kind of wanted or at least was seemed optimistic about. The Falcons are keeping Dan Quinn a horrific start, a strong finish to the year. I think they should have made some staff changes, especially on the offensive side of the ball. But I, I really have no problem with giving Dan Quinn one more year here. Yeah, I, I think that with Dan Quinn, you can see that his players didn't quit on him. I think a lot of times when you have a bad team or a bad record, you look at the locker room. I really feel like this locker room is still in pretty damn good shape. I think this is a team that's maybe guilty of thinking, oh, our offense will be fine without Kyle Shanahan. We'll just keep on clicking. And that didn't work. So I think maybe you have to look at some of those coordinator positions or position groups and upgrade them. But I do think that Dan Quinn, who already almost won a Super Bowl, I mean, he won half of a Super Bowl and then let the Patriots come back on him. (laughs) I do think that Dan Quinn can be a guy that leads these Falcons back to the playoffs and at least on top of the AFC South. We are back, and of course, we got to do a little college football on this show. It's a pretty big weekend with the semifinals going on. Obviously, a lot going on this week with the NFL, but we can't forget about these big games. Although one was not so big. The only thing big about it was the score differential. And Melo, that is LSU versus Oklahoma. Unfortunately, if you're a Sooners fan, another disappointing semifinal performance for your team. Yeah, big game Bob left, but the tradition rolls on there in Oklahoma. I was really surprised. I thought that maybe this game was going to be a little bit close. Me too. I didn't expect an absolute ass kicking in this game, but that's what we got. 63 to 28. Joe Burrow, I don't even know why this guy played in the second half. It's seven (laughs) touchdowns in the first half. I know that people always talk shit on Big 12 defenses, and I've tried to defend them, but holy shit, LSU absolutely goes off. They don't even have their running back, Clyde Hilaire, or Edwards Hilaire. He didn't even play much. Two carries, but this offense, you knew they were going to target Justin Jefferson. The guy had 14 catches Oklahoma had nothing they could do about it. And you wait for guys like CeeDee Lamb had one big catch. Jalen Hurts didn't really do much. I mean, this team looked like they didn't belong in the college football playoff. No, they did not. And picking a fourth team was always going to be really, really difficult. But it just goes to show you, I mean, we were at the game where Georgia got blown out by LSU in the SEC championship. That was a way better game than whatever this was, which is really, really something. And I think I knew Justin Jefferson was a good player. This game opened my eyes even more to how good he is, how tough he is. This LSU offense just does all of the little things right and all of the big things even better. I mean, listen, I know I said it on the other show that I thought the winner of Clemson, Ohio State will win the national title. I'm not going to get off that. But either way, LSU win or lose, This has been one of the most impressive seasons of college football I have ever seen from any team. I think that, you know, you look at Joe Burrow, I think that if they win the national championship, we have to look at this and say this is the greatest college football season any quarterback has ever had. He's reset the record books in the SEC. He's won the Heisman Trophy. I think if they go on, I mean, you're looking at great historic college football he's probably has the best college football performance ever from a season. Guy's completing almost 80% of his passes. 
80%. As when we look at scouting, a lot of guys want you to be um, over 60%. He's at 80. I mean, right now he's sitting at 75%. That's ridiculous. Going three of four when you throw the football against SEC opponents is ridiculous. And that's why this guy has skyrocketed up draft boards. I, I think me and you were a little bit reluctant to move him up there. But damn, looking at this guy play, finally, I just had to make the choice and say, you know what? He is very good. And it may be a flash in the pan one year thing from a fifth year senior. But what he's doing this year, you can't overlook. I mean, 75% of his passes completed here. He's doing an amazing job. This is one of the best seasons I've seen from a quarterback. The receivers are exceptional, too. Maybe Oklahoma didn't belong. I don't know who you're going to replace him with. I think that LSU probably still kills Oregon or Wisconsin or whoever else you wanted in there in the college football playoff. This was just bound to happen. The committee just chose to sacrifice Oklahoma. (laughs) They really did. And I mean, I think... What makes it exciting with Oklahoma is that you could sell, and I tried to sell it, that they could score, at least in the first half with them. I was like, C.D. Lamb, which he did come to play, but there's only so much one guy could do. Jalen Hurts, I hate to be this guy because I feel like I've always been this guy. And I know you and Matt are with me on this. It feels like we've been sold more than what we've been given with Jalen Hurts. He's been good. He's taken big steps. I think it was a little exaggerated this year of what he's turned into as a passer. I, I really do. Yeah, right? we had people asking us if he was going to fall to the second round. Like, in what world does he fall to the second round? That means that he should have been a first rounder and somehow ended up in the second. Now, I do think that maybe a team, like maybe the Chicago Bears takes a chance maybe we see Greg Roman get a head coaching job and he takes Jalen Hurts in the second round he definitely didn't fall to the second round I think this is a third fourth round quarterback who has made a lot of strides as a passer but he is what he is I mean he's a mobile dual threat run first quarterback maybe some teams will take a chance on that but I I love his character I just don't know if he's uh, an NFL quarterback. Love the character. Sad that we won't get to see him play on Saturdays anymore. I just don't know if we're going to see him much on Sundays. At a minimum, you hope that he could be a long-term backup. At a minimum. Because he has the work ethic and character and a lot of things to stick around for a very long time. I just think if you're hoping he can come in and be your savior with a top 40, a top 50 pick... It's going to be a tough sell for me right now. Maybe things will change when we really do our film study, but that's a tough sell for me right now. Yeah, I would be interested to see if somebody would take him and use him like a Taysom Hill. He's not the same player as Taysom Hill, but use him to get the ball in his hands. He's a great runner. Uh, maybe he could come out and catch the ball a little bit, have him work into some different packages. I don't want to have the recency bias of comparing every athletic quarterback that can't throw to Taysom Hill, but I do think this is a copycat league where teams will look at Jalen Harris and say, what does this guy do best? How do we get the ball in his hands? It's not as a full-time starter, but he is really good with the football. A great runner, finished second in the Heisman voting. I think that that versatility will help him out in the draft. After one stinker, we got a legendary, legendary game here of just the 1A and 1B quarterbacks of their recruiting classes squaring off and just firing. Clemson against Ohio State was everything and more we could have asked for. And I Joe Burrow threw for seven touchdowns, and I still think Trevor Lawrence is at least tied for the hottest quarterback right now on planet Earth. I mean, 
It's insane what he does. The running at this point is insane. It's like he got more athletic. To be 6'6", 220, and running out there the way that he did. I mean, I really, I thought that he was dead. I thought that he was leaving the game. I had flashbacks of Colt McCoy getting knocked out of the national championship game. I thought Sean Wade really did a number on him, and we were going to have to see Bryce come in. And then the guy sits out for a couple plays and comes back in, leads a great drive. I think you're right. No quarterback is playing better than Joe Burrow and Trevor Lawrence. I think they go hand in hand. Joe Burrow's putting crazy numbers up right now. Just ridiculous stats that we already talked about. But Trevor Lawrence's ability to lead in big moments cannot be overlooked. You look at Burrow and his poise from the pocket, his vision, it's exceptional. But when the game is on the line, Trevor Lawrence isn't rattled at all. He makes big plays. He's done it time and time again. The guy has never lost a college football game. He's sitting there with, like, I think it's 28, 29 wins in a row right now for a very good program. They're dangerous. I mean, going forward, I really think this LSU game with Clemson is going to be ridiculous. Watching them play, it seemed like everybody made a big play. I know I tweeted it out and I jinxed it. I tweeted, every prospect has made a big play in this game except for Chase Young and Isaiah Simmons. Then Isaiah Simmons almost immediately has a big interception. This was a great game because even Chase Young was getting after the quarterback. His name's not going to show up much in the stat book, but man, he was getting pressure. He was changing where that pocket was and forcing some early throws. This was one of the best college football games I've ever watched. It was the prospect bowl. I mean, the Isaiah Simmons range on that interception, Jeff Okuda in coverage, J.K. Dobbins rumbling for a million yards, Travis Etienne being an effective pass-catching back, and the lightning speed. He sticks his foot in the ground. He looks like a superhero the way he turns up the field. This was phenomenal all around. I know the story was about two underclassmen quarterbacks that that really came to play. Let's not take anything away from Justin Fields for an interception that came on a clear miscommunication at the end. These guys came to play, and if you're a fan of the NFL draft or college football, This was a dream for you. Yeah, hopefully everybody stayed up late to watch it. I mean, J.K. Dobbins, you're right. Doing what he did, staying in the game with that hurt ankle. Travis Etienne, these are two guys that I definitely moved up. Uh, A lot of questions about Etienne. Can he catch the ball? Well, by God, he showed up this game. Three (laughs) catches, 98 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, I mean, he really looks like a special running back. I don't know if any of these guys really worked themselves into the first round, but watching them play was great to see them show up in these big games and to get an early look at what next year is going to be like Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields facing each other again. I know that everybody wants to create the storyline of probably how they're best friends, but I had some rivals in high school from different teams. And I'll tell you, I hated those guys. I couldn't stand them. Didn't want to look at them, talk shit anytime we saw each other. I'm sure that these two have similar feelings. They might not put it out there, but they love competing against each other, I'm sure. And next year, I think we're looking at two good chances these guys are the Heisman finalists. All right, we're going to take a break, and then a full, brand new round one mock draft is coming your way. We are back on Stick to Football Monday, and I think this is probably what you came for. It's Black Monday. We talked about college football. Now let's get into it. Mock Draft Monday, or as I like to call it, Connor, this is fake draft season. I am up first overall with the Cincinnati Bengals. I'm taking the first pick because this is the easiest pick in the history of the NFL draft. I'm taking Joe Burrow, the Ohio guy, to the Ohio team. It's that simple. They should just go ahead and start talking contracts with Joe Burrow. 
Well, I get the second easiest pick of this draft, and we don't need to waste any time here. Washington, hopefully Ron Rivera is officially your head coach by the time you're listening to this, and he will have a new weapon there because call on that name, Chase Young coming on down. A very, very easy selection for Washington. And as we've been talking about, I think the draft really starts here at number three, assuming there are no trades. The Lions could go in a lot of different directions. I have them going with Jeff Akuda, watching him play in the college football playoffs so far. This looks like one of the best corners we've seen in a long time. And a lot of people will say, well, number three, you can't take a corner number three. Why the fuck not? We always talk about this is one of the most important positions in football. You have to be able to throw the ball, protect it, get after the quarterback, and cover. That's the fourth most important position in football. I think you can take a corner number four, especially when they're this good. Yeah, I think Jeff Vakuda is a better corner prospect than Jalen Ramsey was coming out. He's that good, so damn right, use that third overall pick on him for the Lions. Number four, the New York Giants. Dave Gettleman staying to make this pick, and they need to beef up this offensive line to protect their young franchise quarterback in Daniel Jones. You know, they got a good value pick in Darius Slayton at wide receiver. Golden Tate looks like a good signing. They have Sterling Shepard, hopefully a healthy Evan Ingram, and Saquon Barkley. So they're good at the skill positions right now for me. Take Jedrick Wills here from Alabama, who can play either tackle position, and once again, protect your young quarterback. Yeah, I really like Wills. I've been watching him a little bit more. I think that he's going to emerge as the number one tackle for me in this class. I know he plays on the right side at Alabama, but that's because they have a left-handed quarterback. So I think that he does transition well to left tackle, where he protects the number five pick overall to a tongue of Viola. One of the best quarterbacks in college football. I mean, it sucks that the guy keeps getting hurt, but even when you look at NFL quarterbacks. Carson Wentz had this problem too, and I believe that he got drafted pretty high. I think if Tua comes out and he gets an okay bill of health, he's probably not available at number five overall. I think that the Dolphins could move up. You look at the number three spot, the number four spot, teams looking to trade down and still get their guy. Maybe the Redskins say we're all set at edge rusher. We'll go ahead and dip back to number five or something like that, but Tua I think is going to be a top pick in this draft if he comes out. I still love Tua, and if he could stay healthy, he can be an elite quarterback at the next level. I think he's that special, but the health is going to be such a question mark for him. Number six, the Chargers. This team's future is up in the air at quarterback. Phil Rivers, a really great emotional speech yesterday after their last regular season game. Tyrod Taylor's under contract there. I don't know what they're going to do. Justin Herbert could be this pick. But I'm not going to go that route. I'm going to go with Andrew Thomas. I'm going to build in the trenches here. We know how much talent the Chargers have uh, really all over the place, but definitely at the skill positions. And once again, with no Burrow, no Tua on the board here, I like beefing up your offensive line instead with Andrew Thomas. Yeah, and I'm going to go with a similar strategy here. Number seven overall, the Carolina Panthers. We talked earlier how this could be a team that's looking for a new quarterback, but they're both already gone, and I'm not taking a chance on Justin Herbert. I don't think they will either. Andrew Thomas already gone. Jedrick Wills already gone. So I think they're going to go with interior defensive line. That's Derek Brown, who's one of the most disruptive players in college football. After Chase Young, I think that he's the best defensive lineman. He can create pressure on the interior. He can help you in the run game. A a lot of great offenses in that NFC South. Derek Brown helps you stop them. Number eight, another one of the easiest matches in this draft as Arizona Cardinals are picking here. C.D. Lamb. Lincoln Riley knows a thing or two about this guy since he co- he coached him there at Oklahoma. I think C.D. reunited with Kyler. 
This is an Arizona offense that is Larry Fitzgerald is going into his billionth year. And they're going to need to get young at the wide receiver position, get a true number one like CD, who I think would easily catch double-digit touchdowns and over 1,200 yards every year in this offense. Yeah, and that makes him the wide receiver one in this class going eight overall to the Cardinals. I agree. I do think that they can definitely target a receiver uh, with that offense and how much they want to throw the ball. I think that's definitely a need for them. Number nine, the Jacksonville Jaguars. A lot of places that they could go with this pick, but I don't think that they thought Jerry Judy would be there and be available for them. I don't think receiver is one of the top needs for the Jaguars, but I do think it's a position that they can address. And when you have two very special receivers like Jerry Judy and CeeDee Lamb, if you have one of them fall to you here at number nine, it's not dumb to go take a chance on one of these guys. You look at what receivers can do in the NFL now. It's a very important position. We haven't seen two receivers like this in a very long time, which is why we have two of them going top 10 here. I have Jerry Judy going to the Jacksonville Jaguars at number nine overall. They're both so special. And I think it helps that Jacksonville can take what is considered a luxury at wide receiver because they have an extra first round pick they can use to beef up their line. Number 10, the Cleveland Browns. Speaking of beefing up that line, Tristan Wirfs off the board here. Gotta take him. The Browns need help at tackle. I think Wirfs can play tackle. I think he can play guard. He's a tough guy. He's technically sound. I think he does a great job getting to the second level. And he's the guy you want paving the way for Nick Chubb, for whoever is coaching this offense. So I love Tristan Wirfs going to Cleveland. Yeah, and I think if a lineman falls to number 10, the Browns definitely have to do it, whichever one it is. Uh, if it's Andrew Thomas, if it's Tristan Wirfs, or maybe it's Wills, uh, they've got to do something on that offensive line. We'll have a better understanding of what they'll do after they hire a head coach. Number 11 overall, the New York Jets. It really sucks that they lost out on all these three offensive tackles. <laughs> all three. I mean, we could not have fucked the Jets worse. We took all the tackles. We took the two elite receivers. The edge rushers after Chase Young, I think there's a big gap. I don't want to reach for one of those right now. I think that A.J. Epinesa is a guy that a lot of people like more than me. Uh, So I think the Jets could take a flyer on him to play that edge position. I'm not a big fan of him, but this is what I think the Jets could do, taking an edge rusher that's there at number 11 overall. If there's anything we know about Joe Douglas, he's going to take a big-bodied guy. That's for sure. Whether it's an edge rusher I'm curious to see what Epinesa weighs at the Combine. Yeah, He's already up to 280, 285. And yeah, like you said, the Jets missed on the offensive line run here, which is devastating for their plans. Number 12, the Las Vegas Raiders. Another easy pick. We've been doing it all year. It's your guy, Mello. Isaiah Simmons is a match made in heaven for this Raiders defense. He could do everything for them. They need a playmaker like this. Play him all over the field, and he will thrive. Yeah, I mean, you look at the AFC West, this is a guy that can come in and shut down Travis Kelsey uh, almost immediately. He's a matchup nightmare for anyone. He can guard tight ends, slot receivers, outside receivers. You put him on the defense, and he's immediately a superstar. Number 13 overall, the Indianapolis Colts. I've seen on Twitter a lot lately that the Colts fans, they really want a quarterback here. I'm not in love with them. I don't know that the Colts will be either. I think that they give Brissett one more year, maybe try to bring in another veteran, maybe a Marcus Mariota type to push them along and compete for the job. But I don't think that they're going quarterback with number 13 overall. I think they're going to give Jacoby Brissett a weapon here with T. Higgins. Already talked about the receiver class and how special it is. T. Higgins didn't make a lot of noise in the college football playoff, but he was also out with an injury. What looked like a concussion tried to come back and just wasn't himself. So I'm I'm not saying that he had a bad game there. Uh, He just didn't have the opportunity to succeed due to injury. 
I really like his game. I I think he's a special receiver, 6'4", 205, runs pretty well, catches the ball in traffic. I think that he's going to be a good receiver. I think the Colts start to try to build some targets around this offense. They've got a good offensive line. Marlon Mack had a great season at running back. Maybe go help T.Y. Hilton give these guys some more targets. There aren't many guys in this class that play above the rim better than T. Higgins, and I think the Colts need a target like that. So it's going to be a very interesting year for the Colts as they're in a transition period with this quarterback situation. Another team that could find themselves in the same spot is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. This Jameis Winston contract negotiations is one of the most fascinating of the entire offseason. I mean, the 30-30 man who wants over $30 million I think they slapped the franchise tag on him, Mello. I don't think they want to put any long-term investment into this guy, and why would you? And with that being said, sitting here at 14, Justin Herbert is falls right into your lap. I mean, you and I have been pretty honest that we're doubters of Justin Herbert, but if there's anybody that can prove us wrong and develop this guy, this guy with a big arm, big body, athletic, I think it's Bruce Arians, and I think this is a situation where He doesn't have to start right away if they bring Jameis back on that franchise tag year. And I think Bruce Arians would be willing to develop a guy like Herbert. Yeah, I think so, too. I I think the Bucs probably go the franchise route with Jameis. You just had a guy be the first 30-for-30 guy in the NFL ever. Not as good as baseball 30-for-30. No, it's not the same club that you want to be in. I think that he is going to fall in love. Bruce Arians is going to fall in love with some of these quarterbacks, whether it's Justin Herbert or Jordan Love. He's going to look at them and say that he can develop them. I don't know if he can, uh, but I think he's going to take the chance there. Number 15 overall, I'm with the Denver Broncos. Denver has a lot of needs. Uh, I think that Elway's done a good job drafting, and it looks like he might finally have his his quarterback in place with Drew Locke. They've got some good receivers, young, talented running backs. I don't love any of the offensive tackles that are there right now, so I think they're probably going to go defensive side of the ball. I'm going to take my guy, C.J. Henderson. I love his length. I love his ball skills. I think the Broncos could benefit from getting some more corners in there, trying to stop and get in front of the Kansas City Chiefs, trying to get in front of the Raiders and what they're doing. I think C.J. Henderson can come in, develop, and be a shutdown corner. He might not be that run-stopper guy, but I don't care. I don't need him to be take away a half of the field, go get some interceptions, get some pass breakups. I'm taking C.J. Henderson to the Denver Broncos. And here comes the run on corners, 16, the Atlanta Falcons. I'm going with Christian Fulton from LSU. I love this guy's game. He's got the length. He's a really impressive man cover corner. He'll get feisty with you at the line of scrimmage. I thought he did a pretty good job in the Alabama game, considering what was asked of him. I don't know how many corners in this country are given the task to go right across from Henry Ruggs one-on-one or any of those wide receivers. So you're going to see a run on these very talented corners in this class, and it has begun as Christian Fulton closes out our first half of our mock draft. We'll be right back after this break. And we are back with Mock Draft Monday here, fake draft season. We just ran through the first half of our Mock Draft. We closed it out. Christian Fulton going number 16 overall to the Atlanta Falcons. That means I'm up with the Dallas Cowboys, number 17 overall. I think all Cowboys fans are eager to see this guy fall to them. They need a safety. Grant Delpit hasn't had a great season, but he is still a great player. I think he's going to come into the combine. He's going to test very well. Great range, great size. Cowboys take him number 17 overall. I think most Cowboys fans want that pick to be used to get Jamal Adams, Mello, but we'll see how how lucky they get. If he's available. If he's available. I think the price for Jamal will be a one and two twos. 
And, and I don't know if Dallas will be willing to go that high. So Grant Delpit, a, a really good alternate option there. I'm still a fan of his game, even after a rough final season at LSU. 18, the Miami Dolphins. This selection is from the Pittsburgh Steelers. And man, I, I think when you're... Uh, when you're looking at that for Pittsburgh, they're probably pretty happy with how that trade worked out for Minka Fitzpatrick. But I'm going to go with Yitor Gross-Matos here. I think the Dolphins know that they need more pass rush help. This is a team that is playing, fought like hell for Brian Flores. Let's just call it what it is. Uh, what a win over New England. What a strong finish to the year for this team that started out absolutely miserable. A handful of wins uh, for them down the stretch here that they could be proud about. I thought Fitzpatrick did what he always does. I said it. He's the guy that'll win you six games by accident. He really always finds yep. a way to do that. So I think for Gross Matos coming in here and giving them some juice along the edge, I know Matt likes to call him the Brian Burns of this class. If you're looking for a raw, but nah, I don't want to say raw, just a very long, athletic pass rusher that can really take over at times, I think Gross Matos is a nice fit in Miami. Yeah, and I think that both him and Chason could be just draft risers like we saw with Brian Burns. Everybody's going to want that edge position, and I think that Gross Matos is really going to be a guy that's in that mid to first round area, but maybe a team up around number 12 or so really falls in love with him, and they're going to take him. I'm up next with, as you call them, the Las Vegas Raiders. That's something I am bound to mess up on, so I'm just going to apologize now. We gave them Isaiah Simmons uh, with the number 12 pick overall. They desperately need linebacker. That means they also need uh, receiver. And right here, they have Henry Ruggs fall to them, a guy that we have mocked at number 12 before to them, or at least with their first pick in the first round. I think that Raiders fans are going to be happy with that speed and what he can do at receiver. Uh, I don't know if Derek Carr is your your quarterback of the future, but you at least give him a target, uh, a guy much like Tyreek Hill in the AFC West who can take the top off of defenses. I mean, anywhere on the field, this is one of the fastest guys in all of football. Uh, Go get him to be a weapon for whoever your quarterback is. Carr's got to start pushing the ball down the field, and with a weapon like Ruggs, the excuses are off the table for that. So that, that combo for them of Simmons and Ruggs is such a good haul for this new era of Raiders football. Number 20, This is that second pick for the Jacksonville Jaguars from the Rams here. They didn't get offensive line because they lucked into Jerry Judy in the top 10. Thanks to you, Mello. Now I'll go with Trey Adams here. Trey Adams is a colossal offensive tackle. He's a good run blocker. He's a good pass protector. Uh, He's obviously a well-respected teammate after a long tenure there in Washington. The biggest thing that will keep him in or out of round one is his medicals. He's had some medical issues over the past couple years. But this year, he was very, very good. Got that draft stock back up. And I think for Jacksonville, you need somebody that can protect Gardner Minshew on that offensive line. And I think we're going to see this unit have a lot of turnover in the offseason. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to him at the Senior Bowl, seeing what he looks like, how he moves, how healthy he looks. Uh, I think that he could work his way into the first round as long as those medicals are okay. I'm up with number 21, the Philadelphia Eagles. Eagles need some receiver help. When you're down to like one receiver on your depth chart, I think that you have to go ahead and make that choice. Uh, J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, a guy they took in the second round last year, uh, haven't heard much from him. I think you have to get some more targets in here, and that's why I'm going to pull the trigger on Justin Jefferson. It might seem like recency bias that, oh, he just had 14 catches and four touchdowns. Now we're going to put this guy in the first round. 
I've been high on Justin Jefferson, and I think he's not gotten a lot of looks because Joe Burrow has been so exceptional. But you see some of the catches he makes. There was the one in the corner of the end zone where he absolutely turns his body. He makes that catch. It's a good throw. It's an amazing catch. Uh, uh, we want to talk about Jamar Chase and the season he's had opposite of Jeff, Justin Jefferson. But I still think, much like Henry Ruggs, this just happens to be a number two receiver on this team because the talent in front of him is so great. Uh, Justin Jefferson, you put him on almost any other team, he is wide receiver one. Uh, any other team in the SEC except for Alabama, he is wide receiver one. He's going to see a lot of those targets. 6'3", about 200 pounds. The body adjustments, the hands, I think the Eagles will fall in love with this guy, number 21 overall. Such a special wide receiver duo they have there right now in LSU. And I think with Jefferson, that scheme fit with the Eagles is absolutely perfect. It's really incredible what they were able to do, funneling most of their offense through, whether it's Goddard before Ertz got hurt. They need more bodies in there at wide receiver without a doubt. And I think 21 is a hot value spot for wide receiver in this draft. 22, the Tennessee Titans What a year it's been for them since Ryan Tannehill took over this team. And what a year for A.J. Brown. I'm going to stay away from wide receiver here right now for them. And I'm going to go across from that with Jeff Gladney at cornerback, the TCU corner. He's pretty tall. He's he's a lighter guy, but he is sticky, icky, Mello. This guy is all over people in coverage. Another guy we are blessed to see at the Senior Bowl this year. You know, it's it's tough to gauge sometimes. These corners in the Big 12, they're dealing with a lot of spread out offenses. It's a big task to cover. I think Gladney has held up his end of the bargain for two years in a row now, and he's going to get to see some really, really talented players down in Mobile this year where he has a chance to cement himself as a round one pick. Yeah, I like that pick, especially pairing him with Vrabel, who wants that guy. He wants that dog in him, kind of that corner that can be handsy and can be shut down. They need it. I really like that pick. I agree with you. Number 23, the Buffalo Bills. I really want them to target a receiver, a big receiver, to help out Josh Allen. But I don't like the fit here. I, I could go with you know, Shane Nault. I really like him. But I don't know that he's a big target. I view him as maybe even more of a slot receiver, a big slot guy that you can get involved with the running game as well. But I feel like they already have a slot receiver. Devonta Smith, I really like him in Alabama too, but he's not the big target that I'm after. So I'm going to pass on the receiver position. I'm going to keep upgrading this defense. It's already elite. I'm going to give him Chase on out of LSU. I think that they could use an edge rusher, pair him with guys like Ed Oliver that they took last year. This defense just keeps getting bigger and better. Maybe we can find some more offensive weapons later in the draft. But right now, I'm going to take an edge rusher with Chase on out of LSU. He is, when he's on, he's a blast to watch. I mean, the length, the bend the explosiveness. I really, when watching him against Alex Leatherwood, when I was like, okay, he he can beat some high-end tackles here. Just got to be a little more consistent. He has all the traits to go in that first round. And man, would he walk into a beautiful coaching situation up there in Buffalo with the defensive staff that they have. 24, the Minnesota Vikings land in a good spot here as one of the last corners in this crop falls to them. Paulson Adebo here for the Vikings. Xavier Rhodes has fallen off a cliff this year. I just... Man, I don't know what's happened. Usually corners, when they get to 30, it starts to go bad. 
he's not even there yet, and he looks like he can't run anymore. So I think you need to get some young blood in there at corner, uh, along with Mike Hughes is already there. I think Adebo, he got hurt at the end of the year. We didn't get to see him against Cal, but we know he can play from the sample size of tape we have from the last two years. Yeah, I I mean... He doesn't have a lot of interception production, but when you look at passes defense, like he's getting his hand on the ball. And I think that's key for corners. I mean, I don't care necessarily about how many turnovers you're forcing, as long as you're keeping guys from catching the ball. And that's what Paulson Adebo does best. Uh, I like that pick for the Vikings. Number 25 overall, I'm up with the Dolphins. Once again, their third pick here in the first round, we already gave him a quarterback in Tua. We already gave him some edge rush help with Gross Matos. Now I am going to give him that offensive weapon. I talked about LaVisca Shaynault with that Bills pick. Not a big receiver uh, necessarily, not a big target guy. I think that he can come in and play the slot, be that Cordell Patterson type offensive weapon, get him involved in the backfield. I mean, if you've watched him play at Colorado, they move him all over the field. I mean, he will play wildcat quarterback. He'll play outside receiver. He plays running back. Just find a way to get the ball in his hands. And if you're going to take a pick with a young quarterback, you eventually need to start surrounding him. They have Devontae Parker already there. Uh, I think this is a pick where maybe they could go running back, but this is a very deep running back draft. We haven't seen any of them go yet, so maybe they can address that later. I'm going to take Shea Nault and just use him as a piece in my offense to help bring along Tua. And if you notice the trend here, it's another mock draft Monday. Still no running backs in the first top 25 picks. Potentially no running backs in the entire first round yet again. So 26, the Seattle Seahawks, they've had an interesting time at running back. Beast mode is back. I, you know, a lot of guys just banged up for this team. But once again, they need to bolster this offensive line. And I'm going with Tyler Biotish the top center in this class from Wisconsin. I mean, he's just been a rock for years now, this guy. And when we got to see him against Michigan, he's really just lights out at the position. You don't really see him do anything wrong, and he can climb to the second level. He can blow people off the ball. He can combo block. Uh, You just see what this guy does. He changes the kind of rushing attack you can have. And I think for Seattle, uh, that's the kind of offense they would like to play. And I think if you can get the top center all the way at 26, which is pretty late, all things considered. The top centers usually go in the top 20, 20 or so picks each year. I think this is a really nice value land for the Seahawks. Yeah, and a guy that controls that whole offense, giving the signals. Uh, Wisconsin's been very successful running the ball for a reason for very many years, and it's that offensive line, which another successful one there. Number 27, the New England Patriots. A lot of needs here. I've been mock drafting the tight end from Purdue, Bryson Hopkins to them. I just don't know if we see a tight end go in the first round. I'm not feeling great about it. I think this is a situation where the Patriots probably look at their board and say, who do we need the most? Who's the best player available? And for me, that's Javon Kinlaw. This is a defensive lineman out of South Carolina who really moves the line of scrimmage, who can really penetrate. I think that the Patriots are going to fall in love with a guy like that. It might not be an immediate need. There are, I think, more urgent needs that they could go with, but not a lot of great guys at those positions. I'm not going to make a tight end happen. Uh, you just took a good interior lineman that's not going to be there for me. So I think that they're going to look at this this big board and say, Javon Kinlaw has fallen to us at 27. Let's go ahead and take him. He can play a lot of different positions along that defensive line. The Patriots will find a role for this guy. Uh, he can play on Sundays for sure. He's an absolute monster, and he has a chance to take over 
down in Mobile and show that he's, you know, every bit as good as Derek Brown. I don't think he's there yet or, or you know, really close because I think Brown is special. But Mobile is a chance for a guy like that to steal some of the shine. 28, the Green Bay Packers, they got to be in the conversation for a wide receiver this year. And I'm going with Devontae Smith from Alabama. I think when – now, Smith is really a wild card if he declares. But, uh, number one, I think he should. I think we've seen enough that he's around one guy. I think he's going to run in the four threes at the combine, probably around that four three seven kind of range. And I think for Green Bay, this guy would light it up. Him, Devontae Adams – Aaron Jones, all in the same offense with Aaron Rodgers. They had a great draft pick in Elkin Jenkins last year. They're going to do some repairing on that offensive line for the future, but this is not really the spot I would do that in. I would capitalize off of a round one talent wide receiver that can really get the vertical game going, and he can catch everything underneath as well. He's got great hands, great speed. He's tough for a smaller guy, and I think Smith is a great fit in Green Bay. Yeah, I agree. They have to go receiver here in the first round. That defense has carried them, as crazy as that sounds. But give Aaron Rodgers another target. I I really think that people have been keen on Adams and saying if we can shut him down, then this offense is going to slow down. Obviously, the run game has been great. I do think that going forward, they're going to need another weapon, so I agree with you with that pick. Third Alabama receiver off the board here in the first round. I'm up number 29 overall. I get myself my Kansas City Chiefs. I'm very disappointed there's not a cornerback available. Uh, You look at this team, uh, me and Matt have been talking about them a lot lately. They do not have a lot of corners. They do not have a lot of guys coming back for next year. Uh, Linebacker is a position that also they need with no corners available here. I'm not taking a stretch. Uh, There are a couple that I could go with. I don't love any of them more than Kenneth Murray, though. So I'm going to take the Oklahoma linebacker here. Uh, If I'm the Chiefs, I'm looking at corner first. You already took Paulson Adebo, so I can't go there. Don't love the other guys. I'll go ahead and take the next best thing with a linebacker, another position of need, who can cover and stop the run. Uh, you look at the Chiefs' defense, there's a lot of holes on it still, even though they've played much better. I think linebacker is the most pressing need outside of corner. I get the number two linebacker in this class, in my opinion, in Kenneth Murray. Murray is just a great player, and honestly, I could see him falling this far. The position, the the way linebacker works in the draft, we really see it fall year after year. And the reason Simmons is going to go in the top 15 is because the guy could play freaking single high safety. That's how versatile he is at times. It's unbelievable. Number 30, the New Orleans Saints. I know we've gone wide receiver often here. We've given them Kenneth Murray, I believe, before. I'm going to show a little different side here and say, what if they can't bring back Teddy Bridgewater? What if they have to start thinking about the future? What if Jacob Eason impresses people this spring with that huge, huge arm? What if he interviews well? What if New Orleans with Sean Payton feels, hey, we get this guy like the Ravens did with Lamar Jackson a couple years ago at the very end of round one. We like his traits. We know we need to clean up some of the decision-making, and we know he needs a little bit of time in our offense before he's ready to take the field. I'm not sitting here and saying that Taysom is the future of this franchise, and I would like to believe Teddy Bridgewater is, but sometimes money doesn't always work out. I think Eason needs a really, really perfect landing spot like Justin Herbert does, and I think this is one of them. Yeah, I I think that you're right here with the targeting of a quarterback. There are other needs with the Saints, but this is a situation at the back end of the first round where you can take a quarterback 
like Eason, who has a lot of traits, but also needs a lot of his game cleaned up. Let him sit for a year or maybe even two years behind Drew Brees. Bring him along with Sean Payton in this offense that's not easy to pick up on. And then give him that chance to be a starter uh, in around probably year three for him. I'm up again, number 31 overall, the San Francisco 49ers, uh, who looked absolutely amazing last night. Uh, when you look at needs, this is another team that could probably go with corner, uh, probably offensive lineman, maybe a safety. There's just not a whole lot of them available right now, so I'm going to take Xavier McKinney. He's not a corner, but I think that he comes in and he can help your secondary immediately. This is probably a day one starter, uh, can come in, be some depth pieces, and then take over for some of these aging contracts. I really like McKinney. Uh, he's not getting a lot of attention, but I do think that he finds himself in the first round, specifically here in our mock draft, 31 to the San Francisco 49ers. And this is right around where he consistently goes. There's a lot of trends with these players, not a whole lot of huge rises, huge fallings. And I don't think we'll see a ton until we're through the clear of both the uh, both the Senior Bowl and both the Combine. To close this thing out, Baltimore at 32nd, the last pick of round one. And this is when you could take these kind of gambles. Dylan Moses, somebody that if he was healthy this year, a lot of people believe he could have been a top 10 pick. He's that kind of talent at linebacker. Might have changed Alabama's season at times. He's that kind of game ma- difference maker. And I think if you're Baltimore, you lost C.J. Mosley in free agency last year. Nobody re-plugs, retools like Baltimore's front seven. Matt Judon, he's somebody that's going to make a lot of money in free agency this year. You recovered from losing to Zadarius Smith. I don't know how they do it year after year. Did a great job getting Marcus Peters extended. But getting in what can be a franchise defensive player in Dylan Moses, as long as that knee checks out, this is the ideal last pick of round one. Yeah, I agree with you. And I'm pretty sure it was an ACL. Those injuries just aren't the same as what they used to. I think that he is going to check out with a clean bill of health. It is going to hurt his draft stock. I think this is a guy that came into the season as linebacker one before we all discovered Isaiah Simmons. But this is still a very good linebacker, and that's a position of need for the Ravens. And again, somehow they just keep finding these exceptional defensive players in the draft, whether it's you know a Marlon Humphreys, now Dylan Moses. They just keep replacing and keep getting better. Well, that rounds out Mock Draft Monday, a long show with NFL Black Monday. Of course, we're going to be back for the midweek show on, God, New Year's Day. Starting with kicking off the new year with Stick to Football. Mello, any closing thoughts as we uh, we cap off a huge long show here? No, it is great to have these long shows again. We know that you guys like having those hour-plus long shows. And as draft season ramps up, uh, like I said, we're in fake draft season. We're going to be talking a lot about prospects. Let us know what you're looking for. If, if there's something you'd like to see us talk about, you know, leave it with the hashtag draft on draft or you know, DM us. Let us know what you guys want to hear. At the end of the day, we're here for you guys. All right, guys, thanks for sticking around with us, and we'll catch you on Wednesday. 